0: Americans make a run for the open border.
1: We love Canada and we've been waiting for months to get in.
0: Is the traffic enough to save the tourist season? The rush to double vaccinate? Why BC is shortening the interval between shots? And the scramble to save another town from wildfire?
1: Three o'clock, wake up and get out where you go. All
0: hands on deck to protect Pritchard. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. It's been nearly 18 months since the border closed, but fully vaccinated Americans are finally allowed to travel into Canada for non-essential purposes. Jennifer Palma is at the Peace Arch border tonight, where there's been a steady stream of cars crossing into this side of the border. Jen, how's traffic looking right now?
2: Well, you can see it's a little mellow right now. Not always the case, though. There has been a steady flow people coming and going. Mostly we've seen Oregon and Washington plates, some even as far away as California and Texas. I can tell you it takes about five minutes or so for cars to get through the border, and don't expect that to change anytime soon. It was a steady morning at the Peace Arch Crossing, where fully vaccinated Americans and permanent residents could finally make the trek across for non-essential travel to visit loved ones or go on a vacation.
3: Get ready to party. I want to uh, visit my family.
2: But you just can't come across the border into Canada. Some key rules need to be complied with, like proof of two doses of a Health Canada-approved vaccine is needed, as well as a valid negative pre-arrival COVID-19 molecular test taken in the U.S. This key information needs to be submitted via the ArriveCan app. It's something most didn't mind doing. Get the line up the COVID test at the right time. Try the Arcan. That site was a little slow this morning. Uh, but I think everything is working.
4: So we have all of our
5: vaccine stuff ready to go.
2: Where there's a difference is for those in Point Roberts. They can come across regardless of their vaccination status, but they're confused as to some of the rules, especially one stating they can access neighboring Canadian communities. They would like some clarity. Global News asked the Canada Border Services Agency about this. They said they were working on an answer for us.
0: And it's going to be the border person who makes that call And we've had different decisions from a a different border guard on the same issue day after day. And so that's that's confusing.
2: They're also desperate for the United States to allow Canadians in, adding they need Canadians to keep their economy going. Ninety percent.
0: Of our economic activity comes from British Columbians.
6: Perhaps not devastating, but it has been pretty
2: close. Gary Hollowaychuk at West Coast Duty Free is also desperate for a full border reopening to non essential travel. He's had to lay off dozens of staff. He can't wait for Canadians to be able to cross, although, this border easing is a start.
6: The American tourists should be coming this way, you know, once they're starting to come in. I'm expecting that we'll start seeing them in four to ten days
0: when they start to head back. All right, Jen, uh, so far the move has not been reciprocated, as you point out, by the United States. What have you learned about when Canadians might be able to go the other way?
2: Yeah, that August 21st date is still looming. That's the one we're expecting, the next announcement. Hopefully the U.S. Uh, you know eases their restrictions as well and lets us through. If you're wondering about international travellers, September 7th is the date that they're expected to be allowed into Canada for non-essential travel. However, that is all dependent on our COVID case situation. Back to all,
0: you. All right. Thanks very much, Jen. Jen Palma reporting live for us from the border And on that note, now a look at the latest COVID 19 numbers for BC. And remember, this is three days worth. We have 1,079 new cases. Again, more than half of those are in the interior. More than 3,000 cases are currently active across the province with 68 people in hospital. 20 of those patients are in the ICU. Sadly, five more people have died from complications of the virus, including two people in their 50s. And on the vaccination front, just over 70% of people 12 and older now have received both doses of the vaccine. The B.C. government is reducing the interval between the first and second doses of COVID-19 vaccine. That move is meant to help stamp out a spike in cases in the central Okanagan especially in particular among people between 20 and 40 years old who work in the hospitality and service industries. Up to now, the province made you wait 49 days between shots. They still prefer a longer interval, but with the dangerous Delta variant spreading rapidly, officials want to get everyone fully vaccinated quicker.
7: We had um, young people in their 20s who've been hospitalized. Uh, we've had people in ICU or, who are very young um, and the majority of the hospitalizations are in unimmunized people in their 40s and 50s. So it does still cause severe illness in some people, even young people.
0: More motivation to get the shot for sure. Keith Baldry joins us now with more on the situation in the interior. And Keith, mm-hmm. it is still the hot spot that's driving many of the numbers in our province.
8: Yeah, in fact, it's actually gotten a little worse since uh, we left it on Friday. The numbers continue to escalate in the interior far more than any place in BC, although all health authorities are seeing increases of COVID-19 as the Delta variant now is the dominant virus in the province. But Take a look at just what's happened in the interior just the last few days. Again, uh, they've by far, the majority of cases, 587 new cases since Friday, 27 hospitalizations, that's 40% of the total. Four people died uh, from on Friday in the interior, two people in their 50s, and more than 1,750 active cases, and again, the majority, 107% increase in just one week. I just crunched the numbers on the BC Centre for Disease Control website. Of those 587 uh, new cases over the weekend, um, about 250 of them were people under the age of 30. So this is hitting young people in disproportionately high numbers. People in their 20s and 30s have always been hit the hardest with COVID-19. What we're seeing now with the Delta variant is their numbers are really much higher than we saw before. And this is going to continue for at least least a few days. The circuit uh, breaker measures that were introduced last week still have yet to have much of an impact. So the case number is going to be high for some
0: time. All right, Keith, thanks very much. COVID-19 cases are so high in the interior, they've reverted to more restrictive public health guidelines. And there are concerns the much needed recovery the restaurant industry was counting on this summer is all but lost. Friday happened to be the slowest day of the entire summer. A massive
6: labor shortage combined with a valley full of wildfire smoke and the return of some public health restrictions in the central Okanagan It's all impacting the bottom line. are being called a recipe for disaster by many restaurants in the region.
4: The reality of the Okanagan is that we are a seasonal town and we have a small window of opportunity to to make our year and it's really compounding uh, one issue on top of another here uh, with the renewed restrictions at this point. It's making it challenging for sure.
6: At the train station pub in Kelowna where they've had to reduce their hours. I think it's gonna have a massive impact on all the hospitality businesses. The effects are already being felt on their bottom line. It shrinks it for sure. And that means
8: problems for employees. Our staff need to survive. You know, as important it is for our business to sit there and be profitable and make money, but it's also important for our staff that get forgotten in all this, that they have bills to pay and every COVID closure and restrictions, you know, impacts the ability for them to make money and pay their bills as well.
6: That's why the BC Restaurant and Food Services Association is urging everyone, including employees in their industry, to get vaccinated, unless
9: Kelowna does that, um, we have the potential to see this spread outside of Central uh, Interior and and cause havoc for the rest
6: of the industry. Something that Tostenson worries could bring about the return of another even stricter COVID nineteen public health restriction province wide.
9: I don't want to see this industry having to go back to you know closures, which is always always a possibility.
0: Travis Lowe, Global News, Kelowna. A COVID-19 outbreak has been declared at a long-term care facility in South Delta. Fraser Health says a resident and a staff member in the long-term care building at Kin Village have tested positive for the virus. The assisted living, independent living, and senior supportive housing facilities also attached to the village are not affected. Seven care homes in B.C. are currently dealing with COVID-19 outbreaks. That includes two in Fraser Health, four in the interior, and one on vancouver island well the stretch of wetter cooler weather is almost over and temperatures are about to soar once again raising the wildfire risk around the province so far this year we've had 1450 fires with 15 new ones this week 263 are considered active there are 31 fires of note and 132 burning out of control one of the most difficult to contain continues to burn west of Vernon. The White Rock Lake fire is described as dangerous and aggressive despite a brief reprieve over the past days thanks to cooler weather. Amatagahi has the latest on that fire and a new town on the fire's path. After cooler
4: temperatures and more favorable conditions over the weekend, B.C. wildfire crews are now beginning to contend with more hot and dry weather in the forecast this week in the southern interior, where the fire season also appears to be at its peak and threatening to get worse if winds return. There are currently 270 or so fires burning in the province of B.C. The largest are surrounding the area of Kamloops at this moment the white rock lake fire between kamloops and vernon is burning through 557 square kilometers the wildfire service updated the situation on monday saying resources are working on a fire boundary guard to protect the community of pritchard should the fire move in its direction north of where it is now while that community is currently on an evacuation order and its residents scattered to nearby towns we're thinking
7: that it's going to be okay because it's still a few kilometers away, and um, the firemen are doing such an excellent job. They really are, but you never know.
4: The White Rock Lake fire has caused devastation in the community of Monte Lake, destroying structures, vehicles and scorching properties. It grew exponentially last week, doubling in size in just 72 hours. And while it has forced evacuation alerts and orders affecting thousands of people, it has also been the center of controversy, a conflict between those who defy evacuations to fight the fire themselves and the government, who continues to condemn that behaviour over concerns for safety.
9: People have been screaming for help, like, where's the air tanker support? And it's just excuse after excuse, um, it's just really disappointing to, to watch this thing and live every day uh, with the anxiety.
0: I understand why people uh, uh, want to stay behind, but
6: the reality is this. Uh, an evacuation order is put in for people's safety because there's an imminent threat.
4: Now, the BC Wildfire Service in the last couple of days released its August outlook for the fire season. And to no surprise, it shows the province has a long fight ahead of it. That agency saying that it expects the wildfires of note to be growing. And the potential is there for big spread events like we saw last week when winds pick up. The BC Wildfire Service also saying it is expecting another month of above normal temperatures and below normal levels of rainfall. Amadagahi, Global News in Kamloops.
0: We'll get more on the long-term forecast in a moment. But first, a little bit of good news today for some of the hundreds of people forced from their homes by that fire. Their evacuation order has been lifted. Global's Megan Turcato has more on the mixture of relief and apprehension that remains.
7: Oh my God, I felt so, so happy. Deb Nicholas was elated to learn Sunday. Her evacuation order had been downgraded to an alert. When I heard the news we could come home, I jumped up and yelled, Yahoo! (laughs) Nicholas was among the hundreds of people told to leave Friday when the surging White Rock Lake wildfire prompted the Okanagan Indian Band to expand their evacuation order to cover the entire main reserve. It was terrifying to think we could lose our whole community. Evacuees dealing with that emotional turmoil and the logistics of being displaced. There were no rooms left in Vernon at all, like nothing. So I I did get to stay with my daughter. I, I slept in her room, but the hotel said they would allow it for one night. So Saturday night I slept in my vehicle. Because for medical reasons, she didn't feel comfortable driving further away to seek shelter. The massive 55,000-hectare blaze was still relatively calm Monday. The fire's southeast flank near Okanagan Lake, the most active area.
6: Apprehensive because it's not over. And I think we're going to be back at this uh, next week and we have to be prepared.
7: And in the longer term, the band believes being prepared means more prescribed burns.
6: Uh, We're doing prescribed burns as we do, but we are most definitely uh, uh, pressuring the province that we need to continue on this, but on a larger scale, because if we don't, this is what's going to happen. You know, It's not going to go away. It's not going to disappear. It's not going to be just for this season.
7: Megan Global News, Okanagan Indian Band.
0: And senior meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now. Christy, we've had a nice break from the heat, even some rain in a lot of areas, but it's not going to last long.
5: No, so here we are with a third heat wave of the season. This is incredibly rare, especially considering we could see temperatures approach the 40 degree mark in the interior. You look back to the early 2000s, I mean, we could go seasons without a single heat wave here across the South Coast. So these are the areas that we're concerned about. The heat wave alert or special weather statement highlighted in yellow and includes parts of the South Coast and the interior regions as well, the Okanagan Valley. Now, we're expecting it to go from Wednesday through to Saturday, where areas along the coast in metro. Vancouver could be in the low to mid 30s certainly out through the Fraser Valley we could see mid 30 degree marks and out through the interior as I mentioned approaching that 40 degree mark but likely in the high 30s and as I mentioned it'll ease off come Saturday more so towards our Sunday back to you Chris.
0: All right thanks very much Christy. A violent interaction with Vancouver police is getting a second look. The officers were originally cleared of any wrongdoing for shoving a man who was trying to intervene in their duties. Is this video enough to change the outcome of a new investigation? That's next on the news hour. Meet Smokey the dog, a wildfire survivor. The shocking reason she needed rescue later on the news hour. And very soon, Kids Ride Free. What the province is doing to make sure more families choose transit. Right now though, BC's independent police watchdog has now ordered a further investigation into a violent altercation involving Vancouver police officers. New video of the September 2020 incident surfaced last week, which forced the officer of the police complaints commissioner to review its earlier investigation. Catherine Urquhart has the details.
1: The video shows several Vancouver police officers gathered around an elderly woman at Hastings and Abbott. Then a man appears to question police about how they're dealing with her. That's when an officer shoves the man to the ground. Now, 11 months later, the Office of the Police Complaint Commissioner is recommending a new investigation. I think it's very promising that the OPCC
7: did revisit the complaint when this video surfaced. It also highlights... The importance of what we see increasingly of people
1: recording police interactions and posting them to social media. It's streaming live right now. The OPCC initially deemed a complaint about the incident to be unsubstantiated, but they hadn't seen the video until last week when it was posted on social media.
10: It was quite shocking, the sound of it, Uh, his head hitting the pavement, there were six six officers, or maybe more, on on oh, site. So, I find it hard to believe that nothing was documented, and yeah. uh, how this they knew the video existed.
1: In an email, the OPCC told Global News. After careful consideration and in light of the video evidence which was brought to the OPCC's attention last week, we have determined that it is in the public interest that the force used by police during this interaction be further investigated the police complaint commissioner has made a request to the director of public services pursuant to section 44 of the police act recommending that an investigation into this matter be initiated and that this investigation be completed by an agency external to the Vancouver police department. When global news contacted Vancouver police, we were told the officer in question remains on active duty and the department has no further comment.
7: It's very concerning to hear that this officer is still on active duty.
1: Um, it's not clear if they're still on active duty in the downtown east side where the incident occurred. BC's director of police services says it's now reviewing the OPCC's recommendation to have an outside agency investigate. One that presumably would include the newly posted video. Katherine Urquhart, Global News.
0: A 28-year-old man is now in police custody following a string of shots fired incidents over the weekend. Between 8.20 and 11.30 Saturday evening, police responded to three shootings in Surrey and one in Delta. The bullets hit a number of vehicles and some homes, but luckily no one was hurt. Surrey RCMP say just after midnight on the 8th, the suspect was arrested. At this point, police are appealing for witnesses or people with dash cam video to come forward and they say the shootings do not appear to be linked to the ongoing gang conflict.
2: One occurred at 819 in the 6900 block of 127 A Street. The second occurred at 1027 p.m. in the 12900 block of 73 A Street. And the third at 1056 p.m. in the 6600 block of 132nd Street. Um, subsequently, there was also an additional uh, shooting in Delta that Delta police are investigating. That one occurred at 11.33 p.m. in the 7900 block of 114A Street.
0: Still ahead, the climate code red. The
11: path we're on now is one that threatens all of the systems that the scene.
0: The dire warning from scientists about our future and what we can do about it. And Warrior Walk, a big step to help survivors of residential schools heal.
3: Traffic recovering from an earlier eastbound stall along Highway 1 after First Avenue. Now it's just traffic merging on, causing a bit of a slowdown, but everything else is actually looking pretty good across the Lower Mainland. Through a new charitable partnership between Kermak Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermac Collision and Autoglass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Center. In Global One, I'm Tim Mayne. The special stories that shape our province, as suggested by our viewers. This is BC with Jay Durant. Real people, real stories. On Global News Hour at 6.
0: People across the province have endured extreme heat and the impacts of wildfires all summer long. But an alarming U.N. report on climate change says it's only going to get worse and that humans are to blame for these trends. As Aaron MacArthur reports, pressure is mounting on the government to do more to find a solution. From forest fires
9: to heat waves, even flooding, extreme weather isn't hypothetical anymore. Climate change is here and humans are responsible.
11: Basically, the path we're on now is one that threatens all of the systems that sustain us.
9: For the first time, scientists from around the world have spoken in plain language. The Earth is hotter now than at any time in the last 125,000 years. Since the Industrial Revolution, the planet's mean temperature has increased 1.1 degrees Celsius. And without drastic action across the globe, it's only going to get hotter. Scientists predict another 1.5 degrees in the coming decades.
10: Our future and the severity of the climate crisis that we're seeing is not a matter of chance. Our future especially will be determined
4: by the choices we make now.
9: In B.C., like everywhere, the solution will require a complete rethink. People will need to make decisions through the lens of climate change first. Critics say there is little leadership from the provincial or federal governments on this file.
1: There has to be a point at which governments are held to account for their actions on climate. And this government has moved us as a province in the wrong direction.
9: While the report paints a grim picture of the future... If the world decarbonizes much more quickly than any government has promised, the damage can be limited. But some catastrophes are baked into the equation. The ice sheets in Greenland and Antarctica will continue to melt. Sea levels are expected to rise for centuries, putting immense pressure on low-lying communities like Richmond. The report took eight years to complete. And while people have paid little attention to other similar reports in the past, on the eve of a federal election, experts are optimistic
0: this issue will finally resonate with voters. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Over the past year, more than 500 people have been arrested for trying to stop the harvesting of old growth timber in the Ferry Creek watershed on southern Vancouver Island. Today, one year since the blockade began, The RCMP carried out a major raid on the protest encampments at the same time as hundreds of protesters converged on the B.C. legislature. Paul Johnson reports.
12: A line of Mounties preparing to arrest blockaders in the Ferry Creek
11: watershed.
12: This place is known as headquarters for the protest movement, who say it had not been previously targeted for arrests. One by one, mounties removed the blockaders and carried them away on mats. Demonstrators say this was one of three encampments that saw enforcement action Monday, in what they're describing as a coordinated action and possibly the largest in scope so far.
6: We love you.
12: Literally, as those arrests were taking place, the movement to stop logging B.C.'s oldest and biggest trees delivered a petition of more than 100,000 signatures in Victoria.
5: And I am bringing you these signatures.
12: Green Party leader Sonia Firstino promised to present it to the legislature this fall.
7: And so we absolutely agree that there is an incredible urgency to stop logging old growth in this province.
12: A spokesperson for BC's Minister of Forests told Global News the NDP government has already deferred old growth logging in 11 areas, including Fairy Creek itself, and that they're working on a long-term strategy on old growth. Positions conservationists will say are too little and too late.
11: Unfortunately, the most at-risk old-growth forests in B.C. are still open to logging, still unprotected. And this is a direct contradiction to the promise that this government made to be elected.
12: Back on the blockades, demonstrators Monday had a new motivation. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change's chilling new report. These people will tell you B.C. already has the equipment available to remove carbon from the atmosphere in the form of our biggest and oldest trees. Paul Johnson, Global News.
0: After more than six grueling weeks on the road, a group of walkers arrived at the traditional territory of the Tecumlips to Shwepmec. The Warrior Walk for Healing set out from Whitehorse back on June 25th. Since then, they've covered more than 2,000 kilometers, despite the added challenges of the extreme heat dome and wildfire smoke. The walk started as a gesture of healing following the discovery of unmarked children's graves at the former Kamloops residential school site, but took on added meaning as the kilometers ticked by.
7: Every step that we took, we remembered all the babies that are buried at residential schools and all those that are going to be found.
13: I drove this lots and to walk it, I never thought in my life I'd be walking where you didn't want to slow down, now I have to walk it, so it's been, it's been painful.
0: And now that they've completed their walk, many in the group say they hope it inspires all Canadians to keep conversations about residential schools and reconciliation a top priority. Still ahead, the worsening COVID situation in the U.S. The Delta variant driving hospitalizations up so fast they're running out of beds and how it could soon impact travel. Also, UBC research leads to a potentially game-changing discovery for future organ transplants.
3: A stall on the Portman Bridge eastbound at the west end in the right through lane. Tow truck just pulled up. You can see him walking up there, hopefully resolving this issue fairly soon. From home to car insurance, BCAA's local experts are here for all your insurance needs. Visit BCAA.com. In Global One above the Portman Bridge, I'm Tim May.
0: Starting next month, B.C.'s youngest residents will be able to ride free on B.C. public transit. The provincial government says children aged 12 and younger will not have to pay to board transit as of September 1st. It's all part of its Get On Board program to make transit more affordable for families. The province says families who normally buy a monthly youth TransLink pass will save around $687 a year. Households outside Metro Vancouver purchasing a B.C. Transit Children's Pass will save $420 a year. North Van's old orange Lynn Creek Bridge just got a makeover in green. Most people used to call it the Orange Bridge on Highway 1 in North Vancouver, but after 60 years funneling commuters over the creek, the span has undergone a $200 million facelift that matches the paint on the Lionsgate Bridge. It includes a new surface, and new ramps connecting nearby roads. Contractors say the green will better withstand the Lower Mainland's winter rain. Well, despite lifting restrictions at the border allowing fully vaccinated Americans to cross over, the United States is moving backwards in its progress. With at least 100,000 new cases detected daily, more children are falling ill. And there are growing questions about the data being used to make public health decisions. Global's Reggie Cicchini has the details.
10: In a sign of how perilous the situation is for a country struggling to gain control, 66,000 Americans are in hospital with COVID-19, a figure seen only twice this year.
1: This variant hits a place, um, a certain county where the vaccination rates are low, and it just spreads like wildfire. Hospitals from
10: Alabama to Florida and Texas are running out of beds, both for adults and children, who now make up 20% of new infections.
7: The portion of those kids
11: who are getting severely ill is still the same, but that number is higher because more kids are sick.
10: The Delta variant has 97% of the American population at substantial or high risk for community transmission. The EU could discuss this week restricting non-essential travel for Americans once again, while the White House tries to figure out how to let anyone into its country.
13: The interagency working groups are currently developing
10: uh, a policy process. While some lawmakers are demanding answers, there's no indication the U.S. will reopen its border before August 21st. Meanwhile, there's new concern over the number of breakthrough cases and just what the ratio is of hospitalized patients, vaccinated or not.
7: Those data were data that um, were
5: from analyses in several states from uh, January through June.
10: It means most public health information from the CDC is retroactive from before Delta's dominance, which could further erode trust in the agency and raise questions over the data linked to who's getting sick and dying
1: in a time like this with the pandemic, it would be nice if we had systems that were more um, able to rapidly produce information. Still,
10: health experts reiterate the situation is dire. Models show this wave could peak in a matter of days, but hospitalizations might not peak until September, a target that remains fluid, especially as more Americans are now able to travel further. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington.
0: UBC researchers have made a breakthrough discovery that holds the promise of reducing organ transplant rejections. The team has developed a special coating for the blood vessels on transplanted organs. That coating, which so far has only been tested in mice, has the potential to eliminate the need for anti-rejection drugs. Those are currently used to prevent the immune system from attacking the new organ, but they also come with serious side effects. Clinical trials in humans are still several years away coming up a discarded dog recovers from an act of cruelty Smokey may have had an uncaring owner but boy is she feeling the love now and bc's golden girl house soccer star julia grosso gave her parents a real kick with a surprise visit you're watching global news hour at six Starting to lose count of all the heat waves we've had so far in BC this summer. Very unusual and Christy Gordon has the details for us now. The next one coming.
5: That's right. So this is number three for the season. Very rare indeed, that's for sure, Chris. We talked about earlier there's a chance that interior regions could approach 40 degrees. We'll wait to see if that actually transpires, but definitely we're talking about high 30s. Here's a quick look at tomorrow. So tomorrow is going to be a warm one, but not yet in the heat wave. It's more so into Wednesday that we're going to start to feel the heat. So temperatures tomorrow above seasonal, certainly, but that is just the start of things. Come Wednesday, we could be in the low 30s in the interior, even areas away from the water here. Uh, in the low 30s. Now keep in mind these numbers you see here along the coast you can bump them up by another couple of degrees because of the humidity. Our humi- humidity actually uh, increases the feels like so the humid acts level. Now the reason why we're going to see this is a jet stream is going to drive well north of our region driving all of the rainfall north of Prince Rupert. We're going to see heat surge into our region and the jet stream is going to hold this shape for several days. It looks like six days right now. So that is the moisture that's going to push into the north north. north coast. Now we'll likely see some cloud cover tomorrow but otherwise after that we're talking about sunshine and heat all across southern BC and in that type of stagnant pattern what we get is significant smoke starting to build. It's not until Monday that we could start to see a change. So here's the forecast for tomorrow. Again this is the transition day so we're just going to be above seasonal for this time of year in terms of temperature. It's more so Wednesday through Saturday that we're going to see the heat with the hottest day likely on Thursday. So a We'll see some cloud cover tomorrow, but that should clear out quite quickly. We're looking at sunshine and heat through Saturday. Sunday, it'll drop a little bit, but more so you'll feel some relief on Monday. Tonight's central window weather window is from Naramata. Chris, this is quite exceptional to be able to see the blue sky like that in the region. But as I mentioned earlier, with the stagnant pattern developing this week, that uh, clear sky certainly isn't going to last long.
0: Too bad. You know they're enjoying it. while well, they've got it, though. Okay, thanks very much for that, Christy. Jay mm-hmm. Janauer in for Squire this week. Good to see you, Jay. And, uh, mm. yeah, now's the time to celebrate with the Summer Olympics in the books.
13: You betcha, Chris. Our Canadian Olympians returned home today. That includes East Vancouver's Julia Grasso, who scored Canada's golden goal. I feel
7: like it hasn't really fully hit me yet because, like, it's just all still, like, so, like, so surreal to me. Like, it's crazy, but it's an amazing, like, feeling, honestly.
13: We'll show you Julia's gold medal and also hear from Richmond's Evan Dunphy, who captured bronze in the immense 50K racewalk.
0: Sounds good. All right, Jay. And also tonight, the outpouring of support for a dog that survived an unthinkable act of cruelty.
3: Here's the Wines of BC question of the day. During the summer growing season, what is the average number of sunlight hours per day BC vineyards can experience? A. 13 B. 15 C. 16 D. 18 We'll be right back with the answer. The answer to today's Wines of BC question is C, 16. BC wine regions can see as much as 16 hours of sunlight in a day. This is 10% more daylight than Napa Valley.
0: They'll be popping champagne bottles at the homes of Olympians who just returned. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jay's here with sports I think now. the
13: Grosso household's having a good time today. Mm-hmm. We'll get to there in a second. Short practice week for the BC Lions, who play the Stamps in Calgary on Thursday. And the bulk of the first-team reps are going to rookie quarterback Nathan Rourke this week. He was the surprise starter in Regina on Friday night when Michael Riley couldn't go. Sure sounds like there's no surprises coming this week, though.
12: For this week, we are we are practicing and preparing for Nathan Rourke to be our starter.
13: The Lions won't officially rule Michael Riley out for Thursday's game in Calgary, but it doesn't get more definitive than that. Riley was supposed to start against the Riders, but missed all of the opening half because of a wonky throwing arm. He played parts of the second half in Regina, but his arm clearly wasn't and still isn't
9: right. I mean, strength has never really been the issue. You know, it's it's about being able to control the ball, you know, And, and so throwing a ball uh with distance and velocity is not always just about strength it's about how well you can spin it the biggest challenge that i was going through wasn't arm strength it was it was more just the feel for the ball and, and just having a comfortable uh ability to to spin it well and and that that affects everything again distance and, and accuracy as well
12: he's literally got a sore elbow um but the, the the funny thing about it or at least to me who i'm not a doctor is that it's not a I, you know I, I would say rest him and you know see what happens, but it actually it's a deal where he needs to, to work and, and do some stuff in a managed way.
13: Neither Riley or the Lions will officially disclose what's causing his sore elbow. A few weeks back he had an MRI to rule out any structural issues, yet here we are. The weekend of the CFL season
9: and BC's number one quarterback is far from 100%. We have game plans that we're trying to follow and things like that. Like today, you know, today I was able to get out and throw a little bit, and, uh, you know, and it, it felt good, and I was able to throw, again, with good mechanics and things like that. So, um, you know, it's going to be a work in progress, you know, until we really get this thing figured out. But, um, you know, we're, we're mindful of that all
10: the time, for sure.
9: At the blue line, Myers left point, Yalevi with
13: a wrist shot, Scores! Canoxo signed Oli levy to a new one-year contract worth $750,000. He's more of a depth guy. I don't see him being anything more than that. Skated in 23 games last season, two goals and one assist. The rest of our Canadian Olympics, Olympians arriving home today. A lot of flag waving and cheering at YVR. Canada's golden girl, Julia Grasso, surprising her family. As mom and dad didn't expect their daughter to be coming home today, they thought she was heading back down to... Uh, University down south, but instead she pulled a fast when Julie was all smiles at the airport, spent some time fo- uh, posing for selfies, signing autographs with veteran cameraman Roger Hope hot on her heels. <laughs> cool,
5: Can you. I
7: take a look at the medal? Yeah, of course.
4: Oh. Incredible.
7: Nice job. Thank you. Yeah. It's have nice. to ask
4: silly questions, but yeah. the first thing that goes through your mind when you realize you've done this
7: I don't know, I I feel like it hasn't really fully hit me yet because like it's just all still like like, so surreal to me like it's crazy but it's an amazing like feeling honestly. I'm really happy to bring this home and um, I miss
1: Canada!
13: Pretty shiny, isn't it? Fellow BC Olympic medal winner Evan Demptey was greeted at the airport by friends and family. Evan captured bronze in the men's 50k race walk, final 50k race, as the IOC has cancelled the 50k from future games. This bronze medal was a long-time coming for Evan, who first dreamed of becoming an Olympian as a young boy. Race walking was always on his radar. He can't forget his display of sportsmanship at the Rio Games when he was awarded the bronze medal, but had it taken away on appeal. No taking this medal away from Evan, though
4: it's it's great as i said i it's so nice now to have this tangible thing that i can when i go to school talks i can actually like hand something to the kids and say like hey like
7: this
4: is the this is the thing i'm talking about this is and they can hold it and they can feel it and they can relate whatever i've said they, they can relate the story to a tangible object and, and i think that will just make it deeper and, and more meaningful and, and allow them to take it take away you know a, a more tangible lesson so it was hard hard in rio and i'd come and do school talks and i talk about coming forth and I'd have nothing to show the kids. And um, so now I'm just excited to have something to show the kids.
13: Yeah, he's a big kid sport ambassador, too. Vancouver Whitecaps extending their unbeaten streak to five matches. Caps and Galaxy playing to a one all draw in Los Angeles last night. Newly acquired Ryan Gold making his Caps debut. He played just under 15 minutes. Showed the type of form that Caps supporters have been craving out of an attacking midfielder.
0: There he is. He can play as a 10 in the attacking midfield
13: underneath. He came on. And minute 75, and of course, when he came on, he brought what I think he's going to bring uh, with consistency, and uh, he had a very good chance, well, not, a, I wouldn't call it a chance, he made it a chance a little bit yeah. out of nothing with the quality of his shot, a very good save. He got to the end of one. He was so close to get to the end of one. Um, but look, now we have a deeper bench. Now we have a lot of options, and that helps. That helps keep the team healthy, and that keep helps keep the team uh, keep
14: the team sharp.
13: Two-time Stanley Cup winning coach John Cooper has been named head coach of Team Canada's Olympic team providing, of course, that the National Hockey League decides to let its players skate in next year's winter games. The schedule for the upcoming NHL season does have room in it for the Olympic break, but the league is yet to officially sign off on going to the games. Joining Cooper on the coaching staff, Bruce Casty, Peter DeBoer and Barry Trotz, all named assistant coaches. And Chris, Leila Fernandez and Vashik Pospisoul both losing their matches today at the National Bank Open. Those matches just concluding.
0: What a great story, and I want to take it back to Julia Grosso for a second, because you actually knew she was back in town before her mom did. I did. I was chatting (laughs) with her dad. She
13: surprised her dad first, went for lunch, and then they're going home to surprise mom. Great story.
0: Yeah, it sure is. All right, we'll take a break and be back with a great update about Smokey the dog, now recovered after being abandoned. Good news update now, about a dog that was allegedly thrown out of a vehicle by someone fleeing their home due to the White, uh, White Rock Lake wildfire. Global's Sidney Morton has more on how Smokey is doing now and the special attention the dog is getting before being adopted into a forever home.
11: As wildfires continue to rage through the province, stress is high. So high that crews with the Central Okanagan Search and Rescue witnessed what many would consider an unthinkable act. Friday night, a dog was thrown out of a vehicle while evacuation orders were being issued. Kosar rescued the animal and nicknamed her Smokey. That's when the volunteers at the Central Okanagan Search and Rescue brought her here, where she's been ever since, and they plan on keeping her while she recovers and decompresses. Here is the Rose Valley Veterinary Hospital, where Dr. Moshe Oz is taking care of the dog. I
14: always concentrate on the solution, then on the problem. I stopped far long ago to really to think why people do things. I don't judge them. While
11: Smokey appears to be happy and energized, there are some issues that need to be tended to.
14: I discovered uh, that we have um, an injuries to the teeth. I cannot really say 100% that it's related to the fire. She might be um, in distress and she might be very anxious and she might start to chew because we have a, a fractured teeth in both of her molars with pulp exposure. So it's a big surgery that. We need to attend to it and take the teeth out. But uh, other than that, she looks amazing.
11: The team at the West Kelowna-based veterinary hospital says that the approximately five-year-old German Shepherd mix is a welcome temporary addition.
14: She's amazing. She's really, really cute. Still, we need to deal with the teeth. Even though we have fracture and pulp exposure, she doesn't even tell. So she eats, she drinks, she's happy, she's wagging her tail, so she's very, very brave.
11: They have been getting non-stop inquiries from families wanting to adopt Smokey. However, they do need some more time with her for dental surgery and to make sure that she is adjusting well. Sydney Morton, Global News, West
0: Kelowna. Seems like such a sweet dog. Mm -hmm. She'll have... She'll have the pick of forever homes, I'm sure, when it's all over. All right, let's check in uh, one final time with Christy here and another heat wave coming our way.
5: That's right so tomorrow won't be too bad at all we're talking about comfortable temperatures just slightly above seasonal for this time of year it's really Wednesday through Saturday that we're going to see the real heat where areas away from the water could be in the low 30s and certainly out through the Fraser Valley we're expecting a 35 degrees for example and don't forget humidity makes it feel even hotter so look after yourself drink your water stay in the shade keep yourself cool it's super important.
0: Good reminder. Okay. And uh, Evan, Julia, good to have you home. (laughs) Enjoy the party with family. And thanks for watching, everyone. We'll see you back here tomorrow.